I don't want <laughs> anybody else. else. Me not think about you. I touch myself hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tired. So tired. Overtired. Hi, everybody. This is the Overtired Podcast. I'm here today with Brett Terpstra. Say hello, Brett. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> I love I love commanding hellos. Wait, Christina hello, Warren. Christina <laughs> Warren, say hello. Hello. And our special guest, Taylor Swift. She's not really here, but she's here in spirit. She we'll talk all about her. Just get ready. Start stretching. Um, it's good to see you all. I haven't seen you. I guess it was only a week I took off, but it feels like longer for some reason. Yeah, good we missed you. Thank you. Glad to be yeah. here. Uh, you, you've had uh, you've had some tooth trauma. What's going on with your mouth? Mm, everybody loves to hear people's dental problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went into the. <laughs> I had this horrible pain, and I had it for a little while. And I went into the dentist because I was about to leave town. So some friends and I we rented a little island with a cabin on it, and wow. uh, and I was going to be living on an island in northern Minnesota for like four days, but I had all this tooth pain. So I went in just to see if there was anything to be done or take a look at it. And they were like, oh, this tooth is, it's like dying. It's, and they, it's called resorption. And the idea is basically that my, my body has targeted that tooth uh, and is sort of um, sending all of its negative dark energy to the tooth. And the tooth was just like decaying from the inside. It was just a really bizarre thing. I've never heard of it. And they're like, this has to get pulled. And so just yesterday I went and got it pulled. I have very long roots. I've had this problem since I was a kid when I get my teeth pulled. I already know what they're going to say before they say it, which is like, okay, this is going to take a little extra time, right? <laughs> and I may have to take this off in not two pieces, but four to six pieces, which oh, is what Lord. happened yesterday. I was in the dentist chair for three hours. Oh my! God. I was in it so long that other staff were coming in to say goodnight to the dentist. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and there were definitely points where he wasn't exactly sure he was going to be able to get everything out. Um, but he remained uh, comfortably confident, unlike some dentists who are just, I think, ridiculously <laughs> confident. Um, and we got that, we got that thing out. And now I have this like massive hole and I hate it. There's a gap between my teeth. It was a big molar. And, uh, and I also now can say that pretty soon six of my eight molars will be either crowns or in this case, an implant. So I'm, I'm knocking them off one by one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. My, uh, my dentist looks for any excuse not to use Novocaine. She's yeah, always I, I, like, I remember she's this always like, dentist. no, this will be, this, I barely have to drill it all. Oh We're my just going to just, just, just hold on. It won't take long. And I always end up crying because I get like super tense and then the pain mm-hmm. starts and right. then I'm just like this combination of expectation and actual tooth pain, like a tear always runs on my cheek. And I'm, oh, I told her last time, I'm like, if you make me cry, I'm fucking sw- switching dentists. Yeah. And and she still insisted that this one won't require Novocaine. It'll just be a quick, quick drill. So yeah. I've had a version of that where my dentist will say, I'm pretty sure you don't need it. Let's how do you feel about moving forward? And if you think like you can't handle it, we stop immediately and just start get out the needles. <laughs> but like the idea that she's kind of suggesting that the correct way Despite to go. Despite my protestation, she's suggesting that I don't need it. That's not how you help people. 
That's not. That is actually how a no. lot of people help people, but it's not how you should help people. <laughs> so I swore in front of her. I said the F-bomb in front of her. I think I mentioned that on a show previously. Yes, you did. Um, and and she like called me out on it. And, and it was like, don't use that language in front of me. Next visit, she leans over. And she's telling a story to her like uh, her hygienist. And she leans over and whispers something fucking something. Uh, as if like in a solidarity kind of thing, hmm. <laughs> like she knows I'm down with it. So she's like, eh, I'm going to swear under my breath um, to make me feel OK, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, that's the thing about swearing is it is a it's a social construct. Like w- you swear to test the waters. And if someone's OK with it, you swear within reason. If you swear too much, you've broken the social bond. Um, like there's, there's a way to overdo it. Even if someone's comfortable with swearing, like you can still swear too much for that person. So it's a constant give and take to figure out like how much swearing is okay. What words are okay. And if you don't respond to it properly, you break the social contract and, and like, you can really, you can really screw things up. But I think she, I think she was making an effort to, to be social like that. One of my favorite experiences ever. So at Gizmodo, one of the when I moved from Mashable to Gizmodo, one of the biggest changes was obviously the amount of swearing you could do. Uh, I think Mashable now they curse a little bit more, but at the time, like in I, writing, I, in writing, I was the yeah. only person who would ever like successfully. I think other than maybe if there was a direct quote um, for something, I was like one of the only people who would ever like been able to curse like at least with the f bomb like in like. A, a lead sentence, right? And and I once but not a headline. Got, I almost got it in a headline. It was approved as a headline, <laughs> and then it was changed at the last minute. And I was mad because the headline was so good. It was when the Ashley Madison hack happened, and I said Ashley mm-hmm. Madison is fucked was my headline, and that and that <laughs> remained the um the slug, and it was approved. I I, I won approval for it, and then the the it's good editor. SEO. It, well, it, it would have. Well, actually, this was the argument for why Chris Taylor, who I love, and he's he's great ended up changing it to Ashley Madison is so screwed and he was probably right to do so. Um, it did better on Facebook. Um, and, and, and it got like shitloads of Facebook, um, uh, traffic and you, it did would you AB test this. Do you know? No, that- no, but, but, but Facebook, and I don't know if they still do, but at the time they would not like promote things that have mm, like cursing and headlines. Sure. Right. So in oh. terms of, of, so, so in terms of like, if we share to our page, the way it's going to be reshared and, and other stuff like, was was would be impacted so it was ultimately probably the right move but i was was i mean there was a part of me that died inside because i was like god it was such a good headline um and and i (laughs) I successfully won it so i go over to gizmodo gizmodo they curse all the time it's not a big deal and my first month there um uh alex dickinson our, our deputy editor great guy um sends out an email who basically saying look you're cussing too much like it's fine, we we want to do it, but it's losing its value because you're you're doing it so much that it's yeah. like it, it it's 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 losing its edge and it's just coming across as just kind of cringy. And I was like, man, I'm at the right place because this is the sort of emails we get, which is like not don't curse, just yeah, yeah. you know save it and use it better. Um, 
But uh, that's just yeah. like that's interesting because that's just like you know Brent, what you were describing in social situations where you exactly can just, you no, know, you nailed it. You can no, test it, the waters, but then it's going to get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, there's a threshold I didn't see coming. Yeah. Right, and 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 in this case, the, the the threshold wasn't even so much like, oh, we think this is socially distasteful. It's just more like you're it's eye roll inducing, and it and it's not like. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the shock value and things that you think that you're you know achieving aren't there anymore. Well, like I yeah. was raised to believe that swearing was a sign of low intelligence. Yeah, me too. Um, people people with good vocabularies don't swear. And as I grew up and like became more literate, I began to realize that swearing absolutely has a place in language. Uh, like absolutely. it can be very pointed and it can really underscore a sentiment. Mm-hmm. I think there is absolutely a, pl- I think a very intelligent, I think some of the most intelligent people know where to put an F bomb in a sentence. Oh, yeah. And, and punctuate it uh, and make it relatable without making it uh, obscene. When I joined my wife's family, both my mother in law and her grandmother said privately to her, I don't normally like it when people swear, but it doesn't bug me the way Jeff does it. <laughs> and I've always thought of that as my skill. But man, sometimes now it, with news articles or any kind of article, I always love it when a source gives a great quote with a swear word. Yes, because like, me too. You never, you never expect that, and and I don't mean like I don't mean that like dimly or thick. I'm not like thick in the head or anything. I just mean like it can be, it can like take you by surprise, right? Um, Except the one, my favorite example of that, I keep some very short sound bites of interviews I've done over the years. And one of the most bizarre, like obvious quotes I ever had was from Ian Mackay of Fugazi and Minor Threat. He says to me in the middle of the interview, I mean, I'm a fucking punk rocker. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, I know. <laughs> like, that's your whole fucking deal. So I save that to just play for people every once in a while. I'm a fucking punk rocker. So, uh, should we do a mental health corner? Very briefly, because we have to talk about Taylor Swift. This is very important. We do. This is a Taylor Swift episode. Yeah, I'll try to keep. (laughs) I'll try to keep mine short. So, I I found the definition of it's cyclothymia or it's C Y C L O T H Y M I A. Um, I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, but. The definition of it is uh, uh, hypomanic episodes alternating with light depression and uh, without rapid cycling uh, without a lot of stability in between. And that I I think I think that's what I actually have instead of bipolar, two. I think I have cyclothymia, themia. I have not yet discussed it with my psychiatrist. Um, my therapist thought, yeah, that makes perfect sense, but Interesting. He, he's not licensed to diagnose that kind of thing. So, um, I have yet to bring it up with my therapist, but man, I am absolutely realizing I don't have an in-between between depression and, and mania. Hmm. Um, and I'm going through this thing, right? Like I have this very deep conviction right now that. I will ultimately hurt everybody I love. Hmm. And uh, this this feeling that when people say I love you, like in my head, I'm like, that's awesome. I love you too, but you, you, you're going to get fucked on this hmm. deal. 
um, that I will eventually hurt. And, and like some people in my life have been very forgiving, uh, over time, but also I walked out of a, a marriage and I walked out of friendships and I get bored and I hurt people or I fuck up and I hurt people. And man, when I'm, when I'm not mad, it shit really weighs on my mind. Hmm. It's hard to wonder, like, would would the people I love be better off if I'd never been born? I am not suicidal. Do not take this as me being suicidal. That's not true. Yeah. Right. And that's not true. Yeah. But it, but it is what weighs on my mind in times like this. It's a question that can only be answered falsely by you. Yes. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right though. That that's the thing is, is that it is one of those things where, because I think a lot of us have that question a lot of times and, and it's, and it's, upsetting. I'm sorry that you're having it now. And I think that it is worth like weighing on like those things that we do that like nag at us. And like, this is, um, like certainly these are the things that keep me up at night, right? Like the self-loathing parts, like the things where you like question every decision you've ever made and, and decisions you haven't made and, and, and how you are. And that can be really, um, debilitating, but to, to Jeff's point, like, it is one of those things where you will, we can only answer it falsely, but the answer is definitively no, people would not be better off. Like you provide value. Like there, look, there are some people I'm not going to like pretend like that there aren't situations where there are some people where I look back at my life and I'm like, I would have been better off if I had not known them and if I had not met them and if they had not been in my life. Right. But that's just, that's accurate. I think for everyone, but like, that's, that's not the case with you. Right. Like even the worst things you've ever done to people, like the the good and the other things that you've done with them outweigh that. And, uh, you know, and I think that, that like my, my father had like a pretty complicated relationship with his mother and she's one of those people where I think back and like nothing of value would have been lost if she was, if she had never been in my life, if I'd never known her or anything, like nothing of value would be lost. I'm not going to say my life would have been better, but zero would have been lost. But I think that even him is de- debilitating and is like oppressive and as hard as that relationship was um in a lot of ways if you were to ask him would my life have been better off if she had never been around he would have he would he would respond no right like he still got something there which like as an outsider it's hard for me to grasp that i'm like man i would be like if you could do have a do-over and have her not exist sure if this is still Mm. relevant in a future week I will revisit it and and offer my rebuttal, but we have Taylor to get to. We do so I'm going to accept what you're saying. Thank you. Thank you for your feedback. Um, my mental health check-in is that I, um, I went away with two other couples, my wife and I and two other couples, their kids, our kids. Our kids have all been friends forever. It's how we know each other as adults. And it is a, a relationship that has been really just getting tighter and tighter by the years. We've done different vacations together. This time we rented an island uh, in northern Minnesota with like the gnarliest, most delightful disaster of a pontoon boat ever, <laughs> which had the name Leisure Island, Leisure Island, if you're classy. Um and, you know, I just have this memory because actually the first night we were all there together, I had to bow out because I had taken Tylenol with codeine for my tooth, which it turns out doesn't play with lithium. And so I was super nauseous and ultimately it was just like in there throwing up. It was awful. But from the other room, I could hear all of these people, 10 people, 
uh, ranging from eighth grade to, I suppose I'm the oldest, I think. Um, but they're all just like having a blast. And it was that kind of easy fun that you can have with people you've known for a while. Um, and it was so cool because all the kids were part of it, whatever. Like, it just felt good. I don't have a lot of friendships that are like newish. Um, and these are, you know, within 15 years or so. And, um, and it was just like really good for me to be in that space with those people. And fortunately I wasn't throwing up the rest of the trip. Um, just waking (laughs) up onto a porch with, you know, four friends who are having coffee and staring at the lake and just talking about whatever comes. And that sounds nice. Yeah. Without my wife. I don't know that these things would happen to me. (laughs) She does a really good job of finding the good things and keeping them close. Um, Whereas I'm more likely to just want to hide, but it's just lovely and wonderful. So that was, that was super nice. That's beautiful. Christina, how you doing? I'm good. I'm um, so I'm going to be in San Francisco next week. As usual, work is often tied at times tied to my mental health because that's me, um, which is other stuff I probably need to, to deal with. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I, uh, if we have time to get into it, I've been pissing some people off on Twitter, which is always fun for me. So <laughs> just don't worry. It's all going to be wiped clean in a couple of days when Elon's officially in charge. Um, actually, he's been firing people left and right, hasn't he? That, oh, yeah. That is, yeah. That is the core of what pissed what Christina pissed people off with. Yeah, that, that, that's the core of what pissed them off. Because because I, I was like, basically like good riddance to uh, Parag Agarwal, the uh, Twitter CEO. Yeah. Uh, who I think did a pretty shitty job. Um, uh, a large uh, con- uh, contention of a, of a subcontinent did not agree with that. And uh, and uh, yeah, so that was fun. Okay, Christina, Taylor Swift yes. has a new album. Yep. So much more than that to talk about in a way, because she's just like, talk yes. about constellations. There's like extra songs over here and there's a video and there's, you know. Um, all right. I, I know that Brett and I had homework, but yes. I think, and I want to hear from Brett, I have nothing interesting to offer that is original of my own. I really enjoyed listening to the album. I listened to it a few times over. And uh, thank you. Thank you for doing the homework. Brett did not put that much into it and he never does. So I, this is one of the reasons I'm so, I gave it a full listen. I know you did. And I appreciate that. That is, that is, and I watched the music videos, which again, I appreciate. And, and I want to be clear, that's even more than I expect from you. But to see, this is why I love having Jeff on because he like genuinely goes like above and beyond and really gets into it. And here's the thing. I love that you did it, Brett, but I know that you hated every second of it. And that you didn't want to do it. Whereas like Jeff like was excited by like I, the homework. I did it thoughtfully. I did it and I thought, how do I feel about this? And I came to I came to conclusions and I and that and then I would be like, let's listen to one more song and, and then see how I feel about it. And and I did that and I got all the way through it and I did my homework and you you you, you I'm not an extra credit guy, I guess. <laughs> okay, so Christina, let's like let's set the, let's set this up a little bit. First of all, what number yeah. album is this for Taylor number Swift? 10. Number ten. First this album is, this came is, out. This is uh, 2006. Okay. And 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 so it's it's her tenth album, but she also did two full re-records. So it's it, it could be number twelve if if you you know wanted to count those. Um, but it it's the the tenth original album. 
And will you tell me just briefly, what is the deal with the re-records? Yeah. So she, okay, so um, she was signed to a record label called Big Machine um, Records in 2006, and they owned her masters, which is the case with almost all artists. She had wanted to get to the point where she could own her own masters and buy her old ones back, but they had basically been like, you will have to do a new album for us for each master recording you want to get back, basically like tying her into an even longer um, uh, contract with them. And, and she, I guess, had some disputes with them about some other things. So when she left Big Machine and went to Republic, which is part of Universal in 2017, she, I think she did that in part because Scott Borchetta, the owner of the label, had kind of made it clear that he wasn't super interested in continuing to own the record label, kind of wanted to cash out. What he wound up doing, I think they had, she claims that they made efforts to buy the the uh, masters back and that they were uh, not allowed. Uh, they dispute this. It's unclear. But he wound up selling uh, the company and by extent all of her masters to Scooter Braun. And Scooter Braun was someone that she had previously had negative interactions with. He's he's a, a talent uh, manager. Uh, he like most famous for uh, discovering uh, Justin Bieber. He also manage, uh, manages uh, um, Ariana Grande and, and Demi Lovato and some others. But she, he and Taylor had had uh, past uh, negative experiences. She did not want him to own her work. He was frankly, pretty dickish about it. And kind of like once he, he bought, you know, the label and the whole reason you would buy Big Machine, to be very clear, the only reason you buy Big Machine is for the Taylor Swift catalog. Like that's where all the value is. So because there are some other artists that are signed there, but they're incidental. The whole reason you buy the label is is for her. And so she was on she was on Big Machine from day one. Yes. Like Scott Rochetta signed her. So like she was 16. I think she was 15 when she maybe got the record deal. And, and, and he signed her and to be clear, like he put a lot into her and made bets too, but she also very quickly took off and, and, and made the label, right. Because it was this indie label. And she also, in fairness to her, I mean, like they, they helped each other. I think their acrimony, it's, it's a big part of some of the songs, um, on, uh, uh, folklore. Um, and, and there are a couple of songs on midnights that allude to it too, but it's clearly a very big, um, uh, you know, breakup for her, probably the biggest in her life. Um, but then where she felt betrayed was that not only was it the, the label sold, but she knew was going to happen, but it was sold to this person that she did not respect and that she did not like, who then started gloating about, oh, I own this stuff now. Mm. The problem was, and, th- and this is where the re-record stuff comes in, because she is the songwriter on every single one of her songs, she's the co-writer in some cases, but she is the songwriter on every single one of her songs, they cannot license the originals unless she also gives her, her permission because she does, she, they, they own the master recording, but they don't own the songwriter credits. Um, and, and, and you need both if you want to want, want to license, um, something for, for mechanical use for, for film or television or, or, um, advertisements, which is again, the reason why you would buy the back catalog wouldn't just be for the royalties and streaming. No, the, she's famously not licensed her music much. Um, but if someone else owns it, like they could license it. However, she has to still give her permission. Hmm. So what she did is she figured out, oh, if I re-record the music, then that will take away from the profit they can make off of streaming. And I can license the re-records, but not license the originals. So basically, you know, in, in effect, cutting down how much money they could get from it. Scooter Braun still wound up, he wound up flipping the catalog and sold it for like 300 and something million um, to uh, Abigail Disney, I think, 
Um, and, Jesus. and they'd had some, and they'd had some talks, uh, Taylor did about maybe being involved with them, but Scooter still was going to receive profits after the fact. And, and that was kind of a deal breaker for her. So she has proceeded with saying, okay, I'm going to re-record every album I made. And she's done it in a very exacting process where like the first two anyway, like there are some minor differences, but they are basically sound alike. And, and it's, it's been a very meticulous process. Mm. And she's, you know, I think Prince and, and others have done similar things, but she's certainly the first of this modern era to do this. And, and the whole reason was basically to, because she's a petty bitch, which is again, a, a, a theme very common on Midnight's. Mm. What do you mean? Why? Why? Because she's a petty bitch. Oh, oh you're, she, like, you're, she, you're saying this is a this is a high five moment. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Got no, it. Got I'm, it. I'm, 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 like, I'm saying. Like, I'm saying. Uh, no. I'm I, no. I'm saying like this is like a. I, I'm also saying uh, this is like a core part of her personality. Yeah. Um. Th- th- I want you to do the ad read. We're gonna hear uh, Jeff's response. Jeff's thoughts on uh, Midnight's after. Uh, our, our break from our sponsors. <laughs> Ad time. Ad time. Ad time. This episode is brought to you by Mind Bloom. You just need to take better care of yourself is not a response to mental health struggles. You know all too well you live with them. That's also a Taylor reference, incidentally. Sometimes you need <laughs> something more to achieve a real and lasting breakthrough. Maybe it's time you check out a guided ketamine therapy program. Mind Bloom can help. MindBloom is the leader in at-home ketamine therapy, offering a combination of science-backed medicine with clinician and guide support for people looking to improve their mental health and well-being. MindBloom connects patients to licensed psychiatric clinicians to help them achieve better outcomes with lower costs, greater convenience, and an artfully crafted experience. To begin, take MindBloom's online assessment to determine if MindBloom is right for you. And if you're approved, you'll schedule a video consult with a licensed clinician where you'll discuss your goals and expectations for mental health treatment. MindBloom will send you a kit in the mail complete with medicine, treatment materials, and tips for getting the most out of your experience. After only two sessions, 87% of MindBloom clients reported improvements in depression and 85% reported improvements in anxiety. It's time to enter the next chapter in mental health and well-being. Let MindBloom guide you. Right now, MindBloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first six-session program when you sign up at mindbloom.com overtired and use the promo code overtired at checkout. So, Go to mindbloom.com slash overtired and use the promo code overtired for $100 off your first six-session program today. That's mindbloom.com slash overtired, promo code overtired. I'm super bummed that Mindbloom isn't available in Minnesota. Like, I I wanted to try this out and it was not available to me. Yeah, that's the one thing you need to check. Make sure it's in your area. But if it is, this is, like a, I think, a great option for a lot of people who have been failed by regular medication and, and normal therapies. You will find out if it's available very quickly when you go to mindbloom.com slash overtired. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for this next ad read. I, okay. uh, I, I, I tweaked it a little bit. Okay. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're into Norwegian blood sports the way I am, you've definitely dealt with the frustration of not being able to stream them here in the U.S. 
With NordVPN, I can switch my virtual connect my virtual location on my device with one click and I can access streaming services from over 60 countries at no extra cost. This opens up a Pandora's box of entertaining content, which I wouldn't be able to access without NordVPN. It's hands down the best way to satisfy Nordic bloodlust. You've probably heard that VPNs are great for online protection, but they slow down your internet speed. Nothing worse than buffering when you're on the edge of your seat watching someone wind up for a five-finger death punch. <laughs> Luckily, NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world. I don't even notice it running, so I can stream and browse online with no buffering or lagging. Furthermore, NordVPN prevents my internet service provider from bandwidth throttling, so I have a consistently reliable internet connection. It's the price of a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to a vast amount of entertaining content from all over the world. Note, may not include blood sports. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash overtire to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash overtired. Go grab this amazing deal and start surfing securely at NordVPN.com slash overtired. Bang, splat, pow, Norwegian blood sports. Uh, one thing, when people say the cost of a cup of coffee, one at a, one at a time, what, what's your dollar amount? Christina? Like five bucks. Okay, Brett. Two two seventy five. Mm. You're doing that. You're doing that uh, diner coffee where they give you an early riser with no coffee, but then you pay two fifty for I'm, the coffee. I, I'm doing a double espresso in Winona, Minnesota. Cost I'm, me two. I'm going seven. I mean, because I like, as my former colleague who was female liked to say of me, I like those girly drinks. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say at this point I don't even know what because I I don't go to Starbucks all that often so I don't even like know what their pricing is. It's probably gone up though as everything has. And if you're gonna get a larger size coffee, yeah, it probably is more than five at this point. Yeah. How much is a dopio? What's a whoa, What's a dopio? That's what Starbucks calls a double espresso. Really? I thought that was a Smurf. Yeah. So that so that so so that's cheaper than like the the fancy drinks with the syrups and all the other stuff. Yeah. But it's still, but I'm just saying. For me, that's a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. but that's that that's that's not two seventy five though at Starbucks. Now I don't. If you don't mind, I have a few more questions before yes. even I have anything to say. Um, and, and I'm sorry that these are such rudimentary questions, but I bet there are people out no. there that share them with me. So oh, I'm sure there are. You've just sort of bracketed um, the period of her career where she's with big machines, right? And mm-hmm. that yeah, label so, 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 is... So that was, that, was that was 2006 to 2017. Yeah. And what's the first record outside of big machines? Is it a re-recording or is it a new record? No, no. Her, her first one was Lover, which came out in, in 2019. Um, and is sonically similar to Midnight's, although I think Midnight's improves on it, which that was, that was the first one on Universal and that was okay. in 2019. And then okay. in 2020, she dropped, um, uh, uh, folklore, uh, during the pandemic when no one was expecting it and it took everything by storm. Then she dropped, um, uh, Evermore as like the up um, that, that, you know, that she did basically between the, the times that they were released, like three months later. Then in, uh, I think in March 
2021, she did Fearless, which was her second album, but the first one to win album of the year at the Grammys. Uh, she now has three of those. Um, and so that came out. So that was originally released in 2008. The re-release was in, in March, I think, of, of 2021. And then in November of 2021, um, she did the re-record of Red, which was her um, uh, fourth album um, and, uh, and and the one that fans have a, a really strong liking to. Uh, yeah, and then, I'm a huge and, fan of I'm a huge yeah, fan Red, of Red is my favorite album. Red is my favorite Taylor album. Like, uh, so, so the, the, the chronology is uh, debut Taylor Swift by Taylor Swift, um, Fearless, Speak Now, which uh, she wrote entirely herself. That's going to be the next re-record uh, based on this uh, various Easter eggs she put in uh, one of the music videos that came out. Um, so every song on, on Speak Now is, is written only by her. And that was sort of a response to people who claimed the only reason she won the Grammy for Album of the Year was because other people wrote her work for her. And she mm. was basically Oof. like, even though she'd written that's all the songs. patently untrue. Right. As, as right. much as I might not be a diehard fan, that's patently right. untrue. I know that. It absolutely, it absolutely is. But she was 19 years old. And so at the time, she was the youngest Album of the Year winner. Billie Eilish has now surpassed that. But uh, at the time, she was the youngest. And so there were a lot of people who were literally saying, the only reason you are anything is because you're, you're a puppet, basically. So she wrote an album hmm. called Speak Now, which was basically telling them, go fuck yourselves. Then she did Red, which is my favorite. Then she did 1989, which is like the one when she switched from country music to full on pop. And that was like also her crossover album. That, it, very good. Like I think one of the probably one of the most defining albums of the of the 2010s, mm. um, uh, I, I think by by any estimation, just in terms of cultural influence. Then she did Reputation in 2017 and then Lover in 2019. And then, uh, yeah, we're, we're caught up. And then at what point in this whole thing is the, so for me, uh, I knew of Taylor Swift when this happened, but when the whole Kanye thing happened, uh, that was, that was in I'm 2009. That was 2009. Yes. Okay. That was 2009. So, so, so the song that that was about was you belong with me, which was off of her second album fearless. Okay. So this happens in, so the album, um, comes out in uh, like November, 2008, but then that happened in August of 2009. Uh, she went on to then uh, win the Grammy the following January. Um, but by that time, she'd already released her third album, Speak Now. Um, no, I, I've got the timing wrong. Did, she already won the Grammy, I guess, for, for album of the year by in 2009. Okay. Um, has she? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, so the Kanye thing happened in 2009, regardless. That happened yeah. in, in August of 2009 at the VMAs. And that was the first thing that for a lot of people – got her on their attention because she did that. And then she did, um, uh, Saturday night live, um, where she hosted and performed. And for a lot of people who didn't listen to, to the radio or weren't aware of things like that was the president calling her a jackass was the thing that kind of like set her off in, yeah. into becoming like go being like, that's right. A, a best-selling country artist into being like this, this much bigger, like pop culture figure. I did it. So I still wanted to just randomly interrupt your answer with an I'm a finish. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> and I didn't. I held it in. ADHD I appreciate impulse you. Control. I mean, did you I hold did it, it in, That's... though, in the end? 
Like, no, no, you I did. did. I waited. You I waited. I waited for her to take a breath, and then you I did. did it. And then no, you did. I and I was done with my thought. I held it. I'm proud like, of you. I feel it. I feel uh, it in my bones. I was holding that in. Brett, you've come a long way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so this is great. So that brings us. I mean, what what's interesting to me and what's helpful to me about what you've just shared is that it sounds like she's still in the process of doing these re-records, right? Yes. Yes. So, she's only done two of them, so she has a bunch more to do. It is stunning to me. So Def Leppard did that, but they did it like 30 years later, right? right. It's stunning to me to think of um, a pop star managing, one, all the bullshit around being a pop star, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> two, just making new albums that are good or that you're proud of. Yeah. And three, in the midst of all of that, revisiting old work in the most yes. intensive way and re-recording yes. it. Like that is... That is like an incredible swirl of activity that must be almost a daily part of her life. Every single bit of that. Yeah, no. And, and she's now started directing her own music videos. Mm -hmm. Like, so basically, yeah, the last, if you look at her career, like the last two years were really the last three, I guess, since, since lover, because I guess she already maybe started. I think she had to wait until a certain point to embark on the re-records because it had to be five years um, you know, uh, past a, a certain point, um, for, for some of the, the re-records to start, like there was a, there was a timing thing involved, huh. but like, if you look at how prolific she's been just since 2020, it's unreal. Cause again, uh, we've had three. So since 2019, we've had four actual albums and two re-records and a bunch of music videos and a 10 minute short film. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so you're, Oh, go ahead, Brett. You're eventually going to hear my thoughts on Midnight, uh, whether this week or later. But but I just <laughs> want to say the music videos from Midnight are a delightful mix of yeah. indie filmmaking with high budget effects. Yes. Like I agree. they don't feel they don't feel at all overproduced. They're just like all of a sudden there's this thing that could not exist. You could not do it with practical effects. Like it's just happening. And and I really appreciate uh, the music videos from Midnight. Well, I'm no, and I'm glad to hear you say that because um, I I feel the same way. Um, she used to work with Joseph Kahn a lot. He did a lot of her videos for for 1989, and um, he's a, a very famous kind of like for his direction style of being like having really big kind of like boisterous videos mm -hmm. and his stuff like really out there productions. And I feel like she's kind of taken the best aspects of some of the things he did but then added more of that indie kind of flavor. I, I'll be honest. I'm a huge fan of hers. I didn't expect her to be a good director. And I don't know why I didn't. I just, it wasn't something I thought about her like excelling at, which is stupid because she's directed her whole career. But that was just not yeah, like, a, that was just, that was just not like. Like a, if anything, I, if, if anything is demonstrated by her meticulous songwriting capabilities. Absolutely. It's her ability to direct like yes. it's it's all there. So that makes no, perfect sense to me. No, no, you're right. It does. And I don't know why. And it's not like I expected her to be bad at it. It just maybe I just never even thought about it. I think because she's not a good actress. Um and uh <laughs> she's she's not. And uh not to say that she couldn't be. I think that she wishes she were and they she's cast in some small roles because she's beautiful, but she's not a good actress. Like that's not where her talent lies. Um, but she's an she's an excellent director. That's awesome. Okay, so this album, what did it mean to you? You're the biggest Taylor 
Switch fan I know by far. I know you buy all the like, is it a comic book term I'm using wrong? A variance of the albums. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got some mm-hmm. ca- you got some cassettes, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I, I got cassettes. I got I got all the vinyl colors. Like, yeah, no, I I I gave I give her so much money, it's stupid. She doesn't need it. Um, so as her patron, you know, yeah. uh I, what is this record to you? I think it's a really good record. And I was I will I will be totally honest. My first listen through, I wasn't sure. My 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 priors here, I think that Folklore and Evermore are some of the best work she's ever done. I think that Red and the Red re-recording, which added a bunch of extra tracks, which were just incredible. I think Red is is her best work. Um, and and will probably remain that way. Uh, not to say it's perfect. Like I think like 1989 is like a much like more perfect, pristine, pristine, precise package. But I think Red is just like for me, that's the one that like hits me and like puts me in the feels. And so those three records having happened i loved so much and it opened up this side of taylor that i was not expecting like i'm a huge fan of the national and i never expected like the two of them to work together i never expected bon Iver and taylor to do songs together i love bon Iver because in my mind those are the t- two different sides of my musical brain right like i don't put those things in the same category not that yeah, i don't love sure. taylor it's just i don't I, I don't put those in the same thing and and when they did and it works so well i love that so so go on you but you do put bonavere the national and lana del rey kind of in the same category yes. right yes so this feels like a tendency from taylor swift to collaborate with this particular genre of music now it is now it is but this but up until 2020 it hadn't been right like she collaborated with not those people right like yeah. i think that um uh I think there was probably fear in her part and she's even expressed this. Like she didn't know if those people would want to collaborate with her, sure. which, which seems ridiculous, but, but you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that, um, honestly, I'll say this. I think up until, uh, a folklore, there was still a very strong part of like the music snob kind of music critic part who dismissed her no matter how like you didn't Brett, because you agreed like you knew how good her songwriting was but there were a lot of people who completely dismissed her and didn't see her as an artist and was just like she's just this thing then those albums come out and all of a sudden people wake up and they go oh holy shit you are an artist and (laughs) and so what's and you can work with these very celebrated you know musicians and songwriters as you should um so for me it was a little bit jarring for her to go much more directionally similar to lover which is not my favorite album of hers some of the tracks on it are like i think cruel summer is a great track i think the archer is fantastic but that's not my favorite album of hers at all and sonically midnight's is is similar so my first listen i was a little bit like okay well it's good to have pop taylor back you know it was it was you know we had a nice sojourn but this is this i, I guess it's good to hear it again then i listened to the record again and on the second listen i started like hearing more things and i started going okay, I think this is more interesting than I gave it credit for. And now I think the more I've listened to it, and this could change, you know, in, in, in six months, um, I think it, it it's definitely my top five Taylor albums, which she has 10 of them. So, you know, it, it's it, it, I don't think it's in the top three because I think that that's read Evermore Folklore. Maybe 1989 for, replaces one of the, the, the Folkmores. Um, but, but, it, but it's definitely in the top five. And, and I think that it... Um, I didn't expect that. So that was kind of my response was that two things. One, 
Um, it's a return to an old sound that she works with Jack Antonoff, um, who's her longtime friend and, and collaborator. He produces all the tracks on the main version. Um, uh, Aaron Desner does do some stuff on the uh, a three, the 3M version. But it, it's this return to pop, but it's this return, I think, after she now has achieved this sort of credibility from basically everyone in the industry that they they can't diminish her again, right? So it's almost like it, it almost feels like listening to her and going through the process, it's almost like she felt more free to just be like, no one is ever going to doubt my skills, whether they like the work or not, right? Like she's now solidified as an artist. So I think that it's it's interesting. Like, and, and I like a lot of the songs. Like I think that a lot of the production things are interesting. I think a lot of the lyrics are really good. Um, I think it's a really good record, but it, it was it was hard for me at first. That's my very overly long response. Yeah. Wait, will you quick state? I may put this earlier, but will you state the sort of premise of this album and describe the 3 a.m. version? Yeah. So the premise is basically it's it's stuff that keeps her up at night, which is why it's I call it the overtired album, because <laughs> she she literally said that this is the things that she would think about that would keep her up at night and, and the songs that she would write at midnight and the thoughts going through her head and the stories. And they're from various phases of her life. So that's the other uh, big thing with this album is it is a return to the confessional songwriting that she's famous for on Evermore and Folklore. She stepped out of that a little bit. There was some of that, but most of it was just, you know, made up stories. This is back to that confessional songwriting from different eras of her life. And then the 3 a.m. section were are seven additional tracks that didn't fit thematically or for whatever reason on the album, but that she also recorded during those sessions. Many of them are very good. Um, and, and she's famous for referencing like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in her song lyrics. So having them come out at 3 a.m. Like that, that's, you know, it, it can be a little cloying. I enjoy it, but I understand other people find it cloying. She does a lot of these Easter egg things, but she is nothing if not self-referential and, and if not like highly, highly meticulous about, you know, this stuff. And so, yeah, that that's the two things. So the, the core album is 13 tracks. Uh, 13 is her lucky number. And um, then there's seven additional um, 3 a.m. tracks, which, which you know, uh, pad out the the whole thing. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I will say that I, I loved, so this album just felt, it's an album that's delivered lightly. Like it's not, it doesn't come in like trying to prove itself. <laughs> right. But at the right. same time, she, you know, when, when her like words and phrases, as I'm working and listening to it, like sneak through, um, it's always really like, I'm just like, Oh, that was, I'm glad I heard that. I'm glad, you know, like, although, I mean, beginning with an antihero, like it's me. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Like just the way yep. she yeah. delivers that, um, it being a great line on its own, but just being the way she delivers it, it's just fantastic. It doesn't feel, yeah. it's really nice when an artist can like be really, they're, they're really delivering something. Right. But they're not, um, they're not all caught up in themselves delivering it. And that's how that album feels to me for, from her. It just feels like exactly what it is. It feels like a 10th album feels like somebody who's a few years out of a really shitty contract. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And someone who knows herself deeply, especially since she has to revisit herself in the most, you know, (laughs) detailed manners. Um, I feel like, I feel like my opinion might've been swayed by Christina in the opposite way intended. Like you you like it less. If somebody loves something too much, then I instinctively 
it's it's totally. not cool to also love that thing. <laughs> Let's see, no, even at the scale, <laughs> even at the scale of a friend, <laughs> not like a culture <laughs> or a society, but like a yeah. friend. Apparently. Apparently, I remember to downplay that with no more graptitude. We're just gonna like be really like, well, I kind of, I guess I kind of like this app a little bit. And Brett's gonna be like, what app? What app? Like, I listened to this album. I, I listen and, and I listened. And anytime a lyric caught my attention, I would go back and I would read all of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And like repeatedly, I thought, holy shit, she is a wordsmith and a, and and a, an art artisanal songwriter like mm -hmm. she crafts yeah. amazing songs the fact was i didn't feel anything the way i do when i listen to the music i know i love right uh, like i feel something i feel connected and i didn't feel connected like i strong admiration like it is a solid album the songwriting is on point the lyrics are pretty amazing um, as far as pop lyrics go, mm -hmm. but it didn't, it didn't connect with me on that deep level where I'm like, oh my God, this person, I, I could have a beer with this person, uh, much the way I could with George W. Bush, just <laughs> kidding. Um, but like, yeah, like it didn't, it didn't connect in that deeper way, but I left it with a strong admiration as I always do. Like I have always known Taylor Swift as a an artful song creator. Uh, just I didn't, it didn't touch me. No. Uh, oh, like the like the Divinals single. When I think about you, I touch myself. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder how many podcasts the Divinals have even been mentioned on in the history of podcasts. Uh, I don't want anybody else. Mean I think about you. I touch myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, also Taylor on this album, well placed cuss words per our earlier mm -hmm. conversation. Yep. She's Agreed. finally started doing that. That that that's this 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 is and, and it's a uh, Gawker actually wrote a uh, Kelly Conboy wrote a funny thing about how like, she's finally she's thirty two years old and she's finally learned to curse almost convincingly <laughs> and and I think that's accurate because the first time she she used some of the like, she would curse we were all like okay. This doesn't, and you know she curses in her real life, but it just it didn't feel right. It almost, it, I I think that the, the Kelly Conboy like nailed it. Like it's That's they're awesome. well placed. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, tell me something. What else do you want to know? What else do you want to say, rather, about this album? Because here I, we are. I I mean I want to hear more from you. I mean because I really I really enjoyed it. Like I said, like it's it's not. I think that I don't know. This was this is a hard album to do in some ways because the last two were so great, right? And and brought in a whole new fan base. So in some ways, I kind of do appreciate the risk a little bit of being like, you know that you're going to, there are going to be people like, like Brett who might've really connected with Folklore and Evermore, but are going to have admiration maybe for the art in this, but are not going to like want to listen to this record because they're not going to have the emotional connection. Um, but I, I kind of, I kind of weirdly kind of respect that. Like there's, you know, maybe like, I think there's a lot of us would have just loved to hear like, Taylor and, and, and Desner do more stuff together. I certainly would. Um, but, but I, 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 the one song that really got me, and this is, this is the only one I'd really want to talk about, but I want to hear your thoughts is mastermind, which is the, the final track, um, on, on the main version. Um, and it's, it's track 13. And I think that it is, uh, it encapsulates. So I've, I've talked before on this podcast repeatedly, like I've done like psychoanalysis of her which is unfair because i'm not a doctor or anything but this is what we do 
um, <laughs> where like it's so clear that so many like she's still so much of her psyche and things are wrapped up in like the fact that she didn't have friends when she was a kid and also the fact that like she is a very calculating and very strategic person. And she used to get really upset when people would say, oh, she's calculating or she's this or that. And like, she would almost like treat it like, like people were slurring her and it's like, okay, but you are. And that's what I love about her. Like, I love the fact that she's not like, like Lana Del Rey is so cool and, and Phoebe Bridgers are so cool. And like, they, it feels more effortless for him. You know, with Taylor that she's never not tried a day in her life. Like she cares so deeply about everything, which mm. is, to me, part of the appeal with her, like she's so type A, it, it it's it's endearing for me. I understand how for other people it might not be, but for me it is. But to have the song Mastermind, where she's basically talking about how uh, it's presumably about her 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 current like long term um uh, partner who they've been together for like six years, who basically she's like, I I saw you and I basically constructed this entire situation so that we would go home together because I wanted to fuck you. And I put everything together so that it would happen. And you had, you know, it, thinking that you would have no idea that, that I put all these things into place. And then the, the, the final stanza is basically he, he knew the whole time that, that she was doing all that and, and still kind of went along with it. But there is um, a, a bridge um, that, I, that I think just like it, it reaffirmed every headcanon I've ever had about her, which is no one wanted to play with me as a little kid. So I've been scheming like a criminal ever since to make them love me and make it seem effortless. This is the first time I felt the need to confess. And I swear I'm only cryptic and Machiavellian because I care. I am interested that there's no, we're talking about, you know, the, uh, yeah. the issue with the anti-hero video um, and her stepping on a scale that says fat and her, the mm-hmm. judging self next to her kind of wagging a finger yep. at her, you know, as of when we're recording, that's been edited out the little clip uh, where you see fat. The, the fat the part has been edited. Yeah. Out. yeah. Um, yeah. It, and, and in response to people going, Hey, that's kind of a messed up way to use that. Um, we do not know yet if she will have a statement on this, right? She has not yeah. said a statement. It may she just be that kind doesn't. of subtle removal of the it, It'll of probably the word. be that. She 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 almost never addresses things like that. Um especially now. Like she used to maybe be a little more comic, but she's basically she does very few interviews now. She doesn't give statements like that. It'll be interesting. She recorded Graham Norton um uh, a couple days ago and uh, or uh, and I don't know if he would bring it up or not. Um, uh, you know, you might've had to agree not to, I have no idea. So in her, in your experience of her, like she's not someone who you'd be waiting on like a tweet storm uh, from her or an apology or no. a defense or whatever. Um, <clears throat> not anymore. Yeah. So the comment is the edit, which is not right. Nothing. I mean, it's, it was gone by the time it's, it's, I it's, saw it's, the video. Yeah. <sighs> I was gonna say it's a capitulation, right? Like, I mean, I know we have a good gratitude, but were there any standout tracks for you that like you found yourself listening to um, more frequently? Honestly, I mean, not to be boring, but fucking anti-hero. Like it's a great yeah, song. It's a great Agreed. song. Like that. Yeah, I have been walking song. around with that song in my head for days now. Yep, it's a hit. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I and, and I, she is notorious for not choosing good singles as her first single. And uh, she she broke it this time. Like she definitely like I, I agree. I think I think she nailed it. Like I think the songs the the songs a hit. It's a smash. 
It's great. And then I'm embarrassed I have not tracked the name on this because I have been listening to it just around the house, which yeah. is the one where she so nicely drops the F-bombs. Um, Maybe you're on your own, kid. I can't. I'm... Yeah, yeah. You're on your own, kid, uh, which is a track five, which is really good. Um, there, it might be on um, uh, Vigilante Shit. Um, yeah, it's one of those two. I like both those songs a lot. Oh, wait, we got the yeah. E's. I'm looking at it now. We got Question, Vigilante Shit, Karma, and Snow on the Beach, whatever that means. Oh, Snow on the Beach is, is, is weird but fucking beautiful. Um, so, yeah. so that, that, With that's Lana Del Rey. With Lana Del Rey, which is a great song. That's that's the one I think I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, that was fun. I also like yeah. the I like iTunes's little like motion album covers now, and she's got her little flame yeah. Flickering. I like that too. It's a nice touch. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I like it too. Um, uh, and and for any uh, listeners out there, if you the lyric videos that, that she did like this time around are are pretty good. Um, she she yeah, did that. They for, really uh, are. Yeah, yeah. Like the the production like is is actually even higher than they were for uh um folklore and evermore. But yeah, the lyric videos. Did she are really make good. those lyric videos? I mean, she or her team does. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, they are good. Uh, they were some of the best PowerPoint transitions I've ever seen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, 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 I look at them, I'm like, these are really freaking good. Like, like, like you've done good drone footage. I don't like, I, I mean, I'm sure she doesn't actually do it, but she, she art directs everything. Like she's yeah, like, yeah. So thank <laughs> awesome. you for, for, right. for indulging us, Brett, to talk way, way too long about Taylor. I appreciate hey. it. This this was the Taylor episode. You, it had to be. You it's, agreed. You agreed tacitly that we were no longer a Taylor podcast. I do, I, if I do we agree. got to come back, yes, for major <laughs> album releases, yes. And yes. this this matters. This this is a Taylor episode, and and I believe the title should be "This Is a Taylor <laughs> Swift Podcast." Episode. Noted. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gratitude, gr- 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 gratitude. Who wants to go first? Oh, oh, I'm ready. You're ready. Go, yeah, you do go. it. Come on, bring I'm on it. this. Text buddy. Mm. Um, mm. Tyler Hall made this app called Text Buddy that. You can use as a service or you can load it up and paste text into it. And it basically just performs all kinds of transformations on your text, uppercase, lowercase, snake case. Uh, and you can write your own custom converters for it. Uh, I have one that you can paste an entire Objective-C header file into it or and, and it will output. Yeah, nobody cares. But Come anyway, on. like... No, we care. Come on. Well, so okay, so I made you can you can paste Objective C method definitions into it, and it will output the header file code for you that you can just paste into the header file. And if you use it as a service, you can just select your methods in Xcode, hit the hit your shortcut for the service, and then switch your header file and paste in the new method definitions. It's simple. It's easy. Uh, it's easy to write extensions for. It can do. I I do not know offhand exactly how many conversions are built in, but it's got to be fifty plus. Um, oh. As an honorable mention, and this came up in our Discord, uh, Boop. Boop is a Mac App Store app that is very similar. Uh, does text transformations. Personally, I'm a text buddy guy, but 
I, I will link Boop uh, for anyone curious. Anyone who works with text regularly and needs to, you know, sentence case or snake case something uh, just on the fly, uh, both of these apps will will do the trick nicely. Awesome. Nice. Um, who goes next? Are you ready? Oh, um, oh, Jeff? oh, can I oh, go on? Let me let me say let me say Do one thing. Uh, uh, set app set app just announced a new app called Curio, and it is not the Curio we talked about last week. It is a news aggregation app, Ooh. and I'm pissed. I'm pissed that they took the name Curio. Yeah. And now if you Google setup curio, you get something that is not the curio that has when we announced like last week when we talked about curio, it was within days of curio's 20th anniversary. Like uh, like George went indie and started developing curio full time 20 years ago. If anyone deserves the name curio, it's George Browning. <laughs> But, but there's also a but now, there's also a 3D printing design app called Curio. Yeah, it's a different space. There's that's not going to be on Setapp, right? Like Setapp focuses on Mac apps, and I and I wish that they respected a 20 year veteran enough to not have a naming conflict. Man. Who was who the de- who's the developer behind it? Because I think that like uh, they're of the I, new I, app. Yeah. Let's find out. Because they're the ones I, I, I fault more than set up. Curio setup. Silhouette 101. No, yeah. That's the that's the printer. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Journalism narrated is by Oh, I know this. Okay, yeah. So so this is this is a service. This is basically one app for all the news. This is like a um they they claim they're gonna it's sort of like autumn which the new york times bought where like they they read um uh the news for you yeah 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 i don't the uh, curio.io is the company behind it right so so this started out i think as like a web service ios app so i'll give them a little bit of a pass i didn't realize that there was um uh yeah, there's not a Mac app. I mean, it, I didn't, I didn't know it was in setup because that's clearly going to be um, some conflict. But I think that when this app was created, it was probably like not like they were like well, in we a different realm. Space. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. this is I I subscribe to Autumn, which is very similar, but yeah. I think better actually because um, I've I've tested Curio before and and the the readers that Autumn has are just better. Um, but, uh, but I didn't realize this was part of setup now, which is, which is interesting. Cool. Awesome. Jeff, uh, sure. Jeff, do you, are you ready to go? Yeah, I can go. I, I can't remember okay. if this has been used before or not, but, um, deck set, which is, oh yeah. One we, of we, these we've talked about it, but not, yeah. We've talked about it. We have. No, but but it's been years. We haven't talked about it in years. So so definitely, please make it hasn't been gratitude. So absolutely, tell us more about deck uh, deck set because Brett and I so are both fans. Deck set, and there's another app that does this. Brett, you might remember better than me that you because I think you've 
talk to me about there's, it. There's another app that does it not as well with the very Java-like interface. Dexet is the more elegant version. So Dexet is essentially just a way of um, creating presentations like PowerPoint style with a markdown file. Um, and I have loved it for a long time. Um, I love, I mean, it's exactly why you like, you know, if you like writing Markdown or writing text files, it's exactly why you like that. You don't want to be distracted by design, which like, I just watched my wife put together a PowerPoint presentation and like the <laughs> shit that she'd just be like, if I could only get it to do this one simple mm-hmm. thing, I'd be done. Right. Like it's, you know, it doesn't have nearly as many features as PowerPoint, which I don't fully dismiss. Um, but as someone, as someone who really, as much as possible needs to not get caught up in how things look while I'm creating, um, which is a big thing for me. It's just beautiful. And you can make really good looking slideshows. There's, there's nice little templates. You put your images in anything you want to do, you can do. And, um, and the other thing is I've been going through and kind of archiving a, a project that I've been working on for about five years, just archiving some of the, bits and pieces that are officially ready to be retired. And some of those are like presentations we gave to our funder or whatever. And as an example, I have one uh, PowerPoint where I, I, you know, dragged in some photos and some images that were very large. Somehow this PowerPoint got to be, you know, two gigabytes large <laughs> and the same thing uh, done in, in deck set where I've just got a folder with images that I'm calling, right. Is obviously it's just a text file and it's a lot easier to kind of go back and revisit the past. It's like future proof, right. Um, in ways that PowerPoint just can't be. So I don't know if I've done a good job of explaining it, but I yeah, really here's, love yeah. it. Here's my deck set story. Um, I was at the Command D conference that Sal Segoyan uh, of AppleScript uh, fame and Automator fame put on. And I was there as like a last minute volunteer ticket taker, um, like working my working to pay off my ticket. And the keynote speaker canceled uh, on the second day or first day. Maybe it was only a one day conference. Either way. The keynote speaker canceled and they asked me to fill in same day in the keynote speaker spot. (laughs) And, and so I'm there with my laptop and I have maybe two hours to put together a presentation uh, to try to wrap up the command D festival (laughs) conference. And, uh, yeah, so I wrote it in Markdown. I used deck set. I output a deck i presented it using deck set on the uh, on the projector and it was a breeze like for for a quick and dirty very good looking mm-hmm. presentation written in with the simplicity of markdown syntax uh without any fiddling with font sizes or or image placement or anything Everything was just a breeze, and and I pulled it off. I think I made a pretty good presentation, uh, but it was all thanks to Dexet. What what yeah. got me to Dexet was that like I I was writing my powerpoints in text files just to make sure that I had or like a, kind of a grasp on what it was I was trying to say that it wasn't too long. Yeah, and it was like surely this can just become 
a PowerPoint presentation. And that's <laughs> where it, where it came in for me. It's like, so I also just recommend it as an exercise, just try making a presentation with Dexet and see what it's mm-hmm. like to actually just write out a little document and how much uh-huh. more for me, how much more concise I was succinct, like all that stuff. It was just way, way better. I want to also just add that they have a beta um, deck set for iOS that is oh, oh really? nice that I didn't know about mode. okay so, cool yeah that's, that's great yeah so my, my experience with it has been so for work I have to use keynote or PowerPoint for a lot of things that I do just because there are like um, either uh, like requirements for style or other stuff so for certain conferences you have to do that but if I'm doing something that can be more low-key especially if I'm doing a lot of code with it Dexet is great because it really does make inserting code blocks like that look good. Right. One of the best ways you can do that. And, and, um, and that, that for me is, was, was kind of like the thing that kind of got me into it. Um, it was, uh, and then I remember bringing it up to Brett, I think on this podcast and then he was like, Oh yeah, I've known about this for years. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. I was brand new to it. But for me, the big thing was honestly beyond just kind of like the quick and dirty and like being like, as you said, it is a great way of thinking more simply in a document. But for me, it is way easier to embed um, uh, syntax highlighted code samples with it yeah. than than it is with Keynote or PowerPoint, where you have to do you know like a the the screenshot process and 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 all that stuff. Like it's just it's a lot easier. And then if you need to make a change to the code, you've got to redo another screenshot and all that stuff, which makes things complicated. Right. Which, interestingly enough, does is a is a perfect segue to my gratitude which is a new CLI tool from Charm, um, who we've talked about before. Like they do gum and they do like the, the, the Charm libraries, um, like like a bubble tea and other and lip gloss, like that help basically it's, it's a bunch of Go library stuff that um, make you make look, do really good looking CLI um, tooling um, and make stuff really pretty. But they just released this thing called VHS, which lets you generate terminal uh, GIFs or um, uh, movie files um, with code. And so nice. it is. Um, it is great. So there's this thing called a schema, which mm-hmm. will basically capture your output from a terminal in um, like a high resolution kind of uh, specialty format um, that you can then share. You can either self-host it or do their own thing. But the problem with a schema is a sometimes I actually need the video file and getting a video file from their format is a pain in the fucking ass. The same mm-hmm. thing with trying to turn it into a GIF. The other thing is. That is fine if you're wanting to actually type out everything yourself and capture it. Like, it's great. This is a little bit different. And then what it's doing is you're writing a script that is basically, they have this thing that they're calling like dot tape, which is which is like their, their um, generative file. But you're basically writing a script that is going to say, this is what I want this Whoa. text output in this recording to do. So I want it to, you know, this is the code that I want typed. This is how long I want to pause. This Ugh. is the response that I'm, I'm looking for. This is how I want to interact with the response. You can customize the font. You can customize like the, um, the um, refresh rate. You can customize like colors. Um, I, it's been out for 24 hours, so I haven't had a chance to play this with it. This is totally fantastic. But for a lot of the coding stuff that I have to do, like a lot for presentations or for demos or for videos, this is going to save me so much time. So, so VH, it's called VHS. VHS. It's amazing. And also in that kind of obviously like thinking in terms of future proof, right. Or like, how can I revisit this in 15 years? Like maybe I've still got the GIF, but in here you've got, you've written like essentially a little script, right? 
Yep. That's amazing. Exactly. Right, which which exactly to the point of like with deck set is like, okay, because if I need to make a, a, a change now, I just change that script. Yeah. Whereas I don't have to go back and re-record the whole thing. I don't have to recapture the whole thing. And what I don't think we'll uh, have talked about enough, and this is like the problem that I, they announced it yesterday, and um, I know their team a little bit because of um, my previous shout outs. And, and I did a um, uh, actually a, a, a Twitch stream with them um, last week or week before last um, about um, uh, sustainability and open source. And they're really good people. But like, I think a lot of people don't like understand like capturing terminal output is way more complex than it should be. If you want it to be high resolution and like the right frame rate, like I've gotten it down to a science, but it's not easy if you want it to be big enough or if you want it yeah. like to, to have everything work right. Like it's not as easy as like, oh, we'll just, just use like a screen capture tool. Like it's like, no, there's, there's more involved than that. And so this uh, is, is really going to be great. When, when most of the times, if I'm making a screencast for any um, marketing purposes, I script it. Yeah, and and it's a pain in the ass to script it with with Apple Script or mm-hmm. whatever tool you're using. Uh, so this kind of tool would be amazing. Yeah, you're gonna love this. You're gonna love using this for marketing. And marketing stuff is really what this is designed for, right? Like, I would not do a full demo in this, obviously. Yeah. Um. No. Uh, this is what, not what it's for. But if you need like uh like like an animated gif or or even like a video you know kind of like of a few lines of code but you want it to be high quality you want it to be you know um mm-hmm. uh, useful in other things you can even the way smooth and without a lot of backspacing and pauses yes. yeah. yeah exactly totally. plus plus what's nice about this too your output not only can you output in gif or mp4 you can also output as like frames in png Nice. So, so I think what it's doing under the hood is that it's like using like a web scraper like Chrome and then basically doing kind of like, like generating the code based on your scripting and then kind of doing a recording and on that. So it's automating, like you were probably doing something very similar, Brett, with the way you were scripting things with Apple script. Um, I never got that involved. I was like, I'll use a schema and I'll do, you know, have some presets in, in ScreenFlow, but I never like did what you're doing but this is like i I think that this is uh this is pretty clever that's awesome i love it also just love all of their stuff yeah me too i i i i think that they're branding everything about them like they're they're really cool i'm I'm actually gonna meet them um uh at a github universe oh nice jealous yeah awesome i know i wish you could be there hey that that Um, twitch uh is it recorded somewhere yes yes i will i will find it in okay in uh in, in the show notes great Awesome. I, I I ran search link on VHS charm <laughs> and it literally gave me a VHS charm bracelet like thing. <laughs> I don't think that's what we want. I don't think so. I'll find the right link. <sighs> oh, I'll edit that yawn out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. This was fun. Yeah. All right, people. Awesome. Get some sleep, though. Yeah. Get some sleep, Jeff. Yeah. I'll do my best. Get some sleep, uh, Brett and Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Get some sleep, Christina and Brett. We got it. This system is going down now.